Blog Talk Radio. and around the world, streaming live on the internet, it's Real Estate Coaching Radio, bringing you the latest news, interviews, and secrets of the top producers. Hosted by award-winning real estate coaches, Tim and Julie Harris. And welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio, and I would like to welcome my very special co-host today, Mr. Mark McLaughlin. Mark, welcome to the call. Thank you. Good morning, or good afternoon. (laughs) <laughs> or, or who knows where they're listening, right, and what time zone. We have actually listeners in all different parts of the world now, which is interesting. Um, so Mark's bio, a visionary leader in real estate industry for more than 20 years, Mark A. McLaughlin is Chief Executive Officer of Pacific Union International, the leading luxury real estate brand in Northern California. Since acquiring Pacific Union in 2009, uh, McLaughlin grew the company to, from $2.2 billion in sales volume to over $5 billion uh, in 2013. And, you know, Mark, what's especially impressive about that is you were able to, you know, basically double the sales volume during what had to be one of the most challenging times in uh, probably our lifetimes in the real estate industry. So for that, uh, you know, hats off. That's pretty impressive. Thank you, Tim. So um, I asked Mark to be my co-host today because he's got a very interesting perspective on this Zillow Trulia merger. And, of course, everyone's talking about this. It's one of the probably the most popular uh, topics uh, because there's so many agents out there. And, and by the way, guys, if you want to put numbers to it, just between Zillow and Trulia, there's approximately 100,000 of you that are paying for buyer leads. You know, you're paying on average close to $300 a month. Almost 100,000 of you are paying Zillow and Trulia almost $300 a month for buyer leads. And so Mark's got a very interesting perspective on this whole thing. And from obviously from his lofty purchase of, you know, owning this brokerage, one of the largest brokerages in the nation, his perspective is definitely one that all of you should be paying attention to. So, Mark, do you think that Zillow Trulia you know, will re- remain separate? Do you really think they'll remain separate, or do you think they'll somehow merge and you know, basically become as the industry is now calling them Zulia? <laughs> yeah, great nickname. Um, you know, uh, speculation on my behalf, but um, we do have examples in our industry uh, of companies owning multiple brands and operating them as um, as unique businesses. Uh, Realogy being, uh, you know, a great example. Um, they'll be driving forces. Uh, the driving forces, obviously, behind the, the merger, if it's approved and it goes through, will come from the Zillow folks. I mean, clearly, they've built a bigger um, community and are driving, uh, you know, more expansive metrics than than truly is. Um, uh, there's a couple of reasons from an accounting perspective in GAP that uh, might prevent them from consolidating Trulia into Zillow right away, um, having to do with goodwill and how do you charge the things like that off. But um, clearly, there's two really very, very effective distribution channels for our exclusive content, and um, they may try and position them a little bit differently uh, down the road, or they may consolidate them into, into one business. I'm not really, you know, I don't have any insight into that as to what the executives at Trulia and Zillow are contemplating at this time. Well, when you take into consideration that obviously Zillow and Trulia, they're essentially now the same company, and well, they will be assuming the merger's um, approved. And of course, Trulia then basically came with Active Rain and Active Rain, a market leader, and all these other different companies that are now basically being rolled up under Zillia's or Zillia. Listen, I'm starting to say it under Zillow's flag. Do you think that's going to sort of squash out the maybe the, the occasional voice of uh, dissent uh, about the whole? you know, buying buyer leads business model, do you think it's really going to make it so that there's not enough different opinions being heard about the direction of our industry from the perspective of the, you know, on the streets, boots on the ground listing agent? 
Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, most importantly, Tim, our, our industry is very resilient. Okay, you know, it's not. This is not the first mega merger that we have seen. Um, it's probably not the last that we'll see. And um, we, as the brokerage community, will always drive um, our business practices towards innovation. Um, and um, towards efficiencies that we can benefit from on behalf of our clients. So what will be, you know, will there be a next new, new thing that comes on in our industry? Of course there will. Um, there will be new technologies and new programs that are available to us as, as real estate professionals um, that will help our clients. And uh, Active Rain, obviously I think they have somewhere in the neighborhood of 240,000, 280,000 um, people in their community. And it's, uh, I've never used it, but from what I can tell, it's sort of a LinkedIn for real estate professionals. And is there a sleeper out there that's going to try and do that differently, better, you know, better, faster, cheaper, that the, that the real estate brokerage community will, will beat a path to? Sure, things like that will come along. This is not the last piece of, um, of sort of technology that our world's going to see. That's for sure. Um, do you think the buying buyer leads, which is the basis of the you know, profit model for Zulia, <laughs> for Trulia and Zillow, do you think the buying buyer leads thing is a trend or do you think it's here to stay? In other words, I mean, you've been in the industry long enough. You've seen a lot of the, you know, the branding trend and then there's the big teams trend and then there's all these other trends if you go back even you know, 30 years, different things that were hot for a while that then all of a sudden kind of you know, blossomed, bloomed, and died out. Do you think the idea of buying buyer leads is here to stay or do you think that's going to be a trend as well? Well, I think that um, there are, you know, we we could segment our, our industry into, you know, multiple different segments. And there are people in our industry, real estate professionals in our industry, that their business thrives on leads that come from the Internet or from other sources, as it you know, used to be the just listed, just sold postcard. But, you know, h- how do you originate? How do you do your business development? So at one end of the spectrum, we've probably got Internet leads. Um, at another end of the spectrum, you've got some very seasoned sort of advisory-oriented professionals who rarely do any marketing, and all of their business comes from word of mouth and referral. So I believe that, you know, there's room for all of that uh, in our industry. And, you know, I think on average, you know, the really successful real estate professionals in the United States spend somewhere between 9 and 15% of their gross commission income on marketing activities. And a portion of that will absolutely go to um, Internet leads for, for, you know, many or for all. Um, what would concern me the most is if um, a distribution channel like Zillow or like Trulia began to emulate the real estate brokerage business instead of pay-per-click or pay-for-lead where they start participating in the fee structure associated with the real estate transaction. I think that the minute Azulia, Azulia, now you got me doing it, Tim, uh, a Trulia, Trulia uh, or Zillow begins to do that, then they're really going to begin to infringe on some of the core competencies and core, uh, you know, keystones of our industry. And I think you'd see the brokerage community just retreat and extract its data, uh, which is our exclusive listing content, away from Trulia and Zillow. So there's a really fine balance and sort of an interdependence between supply and demand on the internet. And if 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 a buyer comes to the internet and the listings aren't there, they're not going to come back. If an ex- a real estate professional puts an exclusive list on the internet and there's no buyers there they're not going to bring the content back and then there's just the element of respect that um, I think that if Trulia and Zillow continue to have a great deal of respect for the brokerage community and our exclusive listing content that there can be a balance going forward where it's really a fine distribution channel even for a company like ours we can't afford to build an online community the size, the size of Zillow or Trulia. Well, I mean, you bring up a lot of interesting points there, and I think that you said the word respect several times. And I just wonder if um, going forward is, you know, there was a 
I'm sure you read all this stuff too, or maybe you don't. I've become kind of a nerd of all this data. But there's been two reports that have come out recently that have said that best case scenario, there's between 150,000 and 200,000 agents in the United States that can afford to spend $300 a month on their businesses. Um, and then they're saying, well, okay, Zillow and Trulia in their combined efforts now have 100,000 of those, you know, 150 to 200,000. So that's 300 in their businesses that, you know, they could be spending it on coaching and training. They could be spending it on postcards. They could be, you know, all kinds of different things. But that's a very small market in the scheme of things. And so for these companies to continue to grow, if they're going to continue to try to sell buyer leads, they're going to have to, they're reaching, they have to be reaching a saturation point where there just isn't that many more people they can sell to. And I, I read a very interesting – well, actually, it was uh, uh, the CEO of Zillow. He, he, I don't want to take him out of context, and, but I'll just the gist of it was that he was mark, remarking on the fact that it is not uncommon in our industry for agents to pay 40% for a referral. And I'm sure you know that too. Um, agents will pay 40% for um, a reload referral. That's normal in our industry nowadays. Now, obviously, ideally, it's less, but that's normal. So I, I wonder – how long it's going to take these guys to realize that they can't really expand their businesses anymore selling buyer leads because that saturation point, in, in my humble opinion, is probably already there. And when are, you know, they're going to have to start then getting into the, the seller lead selling business. Would that change your mindset or how would that change your perspective on um, what they were offering if they well, were to do that? Uh, yeah. Um, but my One of my observations is that um, for – Zillow to support a PE, uh, a price earnings ratio that's even as aggressive as Amazon's, which was a couple weeks ago was a PE of 851, they would have to generate um, as much revenue um, as the entire brokerage community generates in the United States in 2013. Um, the minute I think that a Trulia or a Zillow steps over the line of being a media company and begins to encroach on the brokerage community and, the, and, the, and our business model, um, it's one thing to have a new competitor, but it's another thing to supply all the content to the new competitor. I think you'd see the content evaporate overnight. Um, that uh, if they're going to get into the business that way, they're no longer a friend but a foe and an enemy. And um, I, don't think that, uh, I don't think our industry would tolerate that. I don't think so either. And I would hope that what, you're, what you and I are saying is true. Um, because at the end of the day, guys, what he's talking about is the leads or the listings. We, we interviewed the, gal, the wonderful gal that's running um, ListHub. And we were talking about this very topic. I interviewed her, I think, on Thursday of last week. And list hubs basically position themselves as the, uh, uh, I don't know how else to call it, other than a sentinel for who gets the listing information, basically. They're deciding who gets it, who doesn't, and you have to, op you have, to have uh, you know, minimum standards and you have to operate with respect to the listing agent and the brokerage. And all. They, have very, they seem to be really kind of sifting and sorting at a very high level very effectively. Um, but the flip side to that is I asked, well, what would happen if, for example, the brokerage community would say, we don't want our information syndicated to these companies anymore because now they've kind of crossed the line and they're now in our industry. They're now basically competitors for the same leads. And uh, she said their concern is if they are to stop providing the listing information to Zillow and Trulia, and, and there's all – I don't know, Mark, if you've ever seen – there's tons of them to get the information from Zillow. Like, I'm sorry, from ListHub. There's just tons of them. She said her fear would be that they would then start getting that same listing – or they'd get listing information from other sources, but the listing information would be scraped from, you know, say, a, a virtual website company or a virtual tour company. Or it would be you – know, basically, it would get to the point where the information on their sites were so bad that it would reflect poorly on our industry. I don't know if that's 
you know, something that you can relate to. But I tend to agree with you. If they were to start getting into the referral, you know, business, that we would revolt. Now, hopefully that would happen. Have you talked with other brokers on your level that have that same opinion? Well, uh, you know, I think importantly, I've had this very specific conversation with uh, Pete Flint and with Greg Schwartz, Pete at Trulia mm-hmm. and Greg at um, mm-hmm. at Zillow. And Zillow. Um, I- I've uh, I've sort of seen this movie once before because back in 1999 to 2002, I was one of the key executives that built LoopNet from the ground up. And there was that same interdependency between the demand, which is the eyeballs coming to the listings, and the listings, and the brokerage community controlled the listings. And we, as LoopNet, as as the company, went to the brokerage community and really put into our shareholders' agreement what you might call a broker's bill of rights. Um, We had investments from five of the top uh, brokerage companies in the United States, as well as through as well as NAR through then HomeStore. Um, and uh, I think Zillow would be well served um, to step forward in a very aggressive way and engage with the brokerage community in a bill of rights that's very robust that permits Zillow to continue to be a distribution channel for us uh, and not threaten you know, the, the keystones of the industry. Because if they do begin to threaten the keystones of, of the industry, we are, again, we're a very, very resilient group, and I think there would be movement afoot very, very quickly to try and mitigate uh, that position. Um, and that could be a, a startup, which, comprised, which is comprised of and owned by the real estate community. A real AG black swan type thing that some people are speculating is underway is kind of what the type of thing that might happen. Yeah, I've heard similar speculation. I don't have any real firsthand knowledge of it, but I've heard um, you know very similar speculation. And again, we're a we're a very small community. There's only a million of us in the United States. There's probably 300 or 400 thousand that do 75 or 80 percent of the business. And um, you know we're not um, you know we're not going to be a doormat. I, I appreciate your stance. So um, you seem critical of NAR's lost opportunity to remain a market leader, effectively handle, uh, well, NAR maybe more specifically Realtor.com, effectively handing the market to these competitors. Do you think it's too late for Realtor.com to make a comeback? Um, well, uh, let me back, before I answer your specific questions, just let me back up for a second. And I have been accused of being critical of NAR and CR, specifically about Realtor.com, but I want to make sure that the community understands what great value I place on NAR and CAR for things like lobbying, for legal uh, research, for research about buyers' behaviors, and for education. They play a fantastic role in our in our industry in those four capacities, and without them, you know, even a company the size of Pacific Union, which is relatively large, we wouldn't have the wherewithal to pursue all those same initiatives. So NAR and CAR play a very, very strategic and valuable role in the industry. Now, to answer the question about Realtor.com, clearly Realtor.com did not innovate at the same pace that Trulia and Zillow did, okay? And the consumers voted with their mouse. They but, you know, the traffic at Zulia and Trillo is very, very significant. So, yes, I would say that CAR and NAR lost the, you know, incumbent position in, an, um, in a world that, you know, it moves at a ferocious, our world moves at a ferocious pace. And it's not simple to keep up all the time, especially if you're structured as a nonprofit and not engaged as a for-profit in the business. I 100% agree. So do you think it's too late for Realtor.com to make a comeback? Can you envision that happening? I'm not Tim. I'm not close enough to it, but it's probably not where I'd invest my money. Um, I don't think I'd vote with my checkbook there. I think that I would use the uh, CAR and NAR organizations to try and balance um, 
you know, the playing field or, or the, um, the frictions that uh, uh, exist between, um, you know, Trulia Zillow and the brokerage community. I mean, I, I'm comfortable being in the friction. Um, I'm comfortable, you know, looking these guys in the eyes and asking them questions and, and, you know, very, very direct questions and hopefully very, very direct answers. To date, I'm satisfied with their answers. But I also am, you know, not naive enough to realize that all, many of their business decisions are now driven by Wall Street. Okay, and so it's really not driven by how much they like um, us as people and professionals, but really uh, these companies are now driven by Wall Street. So um, I guess the short answer to your question is I'm not sure that – It's a brilliant answer, though. It's very concise. So um, what would be the early warning signs that they were starting to basically have to uh, play into the wishes of their shareholders? Like – from your perspective, there has to be things that you're on the lookout for, like if these guys are going to you know, start basically taking an adversarial role against the industry and start using our data and you know, basically crossing some of the, the lines in the sand that our industry has. What do you think would be the early, early warning signs that we should all look out for? Well, I think there's two things that are, you know, I have on my watch specifically. First, uh, when a seller executes an exclusive listing agreement with a real estate professional, it's just that. It's an exclusive listing agreement, okay? And that seller has elected to have a specific professional represent them in the sale of their home. So as we use Zillow and Trulia for, as a distribution channel for eyeballs, if it becomes less and less obvious who the exclusive listing agent is and it's the, the listing is cluttered with advertisements that, consu- that confuses the consumer, then the seller isn't really being well served. So they've done a, I think both sites have done a good job in the last 18 months of really stopping the encroachment. But in order to raise more advertising dollars, if the encroachment continued, I think you'd see the real estate community really back off and say, no, no thanks, not so much. Um, so that would be on the supply side. On the demand side, um, if we see the pricing either increase on a lead uh, you know, above and beyond what would be normal in other industries or have it move from an absolute dollar value to a percentage value, I think the real estate community would retreat with its content in, in, you know, in a matter of days. Um, and I, I would argue I don't, to, I, I, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I don't believe that um, Zillow and Trulia can continue to look at the real estate brokerage community as their source of revenue. We are their source of supply. If they just took the 100 million unique users that are coming to their site you know, every single month to look at real estate, and they charged every one of those people 50 cents a month for that content and had a 50% attrition rate, you know, there's serious and significant revenues there. And at LoopNet, what we did is we made information free to everybody after its 30th day on the market. If you wanted current and ti- if you wanted timely, current, and accurate information, you had to pay for it. So in this marketplace, if there's actually quality traffic on Zillow and Trulia's site, if that traffic wants timely and accurate information inside the first 30 days, maybe they should be paying for it. Maybe the model needs to shift and have the consumer pay for, that, for that, um, our distribution of our listings. That is brilliant. Uh, have you suggested that to these guys? <laughs> indeed. Because that indeed. is brilliant. And they can do the math. You know, they can do the math. But we, we, the brokerage community, would not be able to afford, even if we spent all of our advertising dollars with Trulia and Zillow, we would not be able to, number one, afford it because we have to do, uh, you know, the good old-fashioned just-listed, just-sold postcard, pretty darn effective. Okay, we're not going to put all our eggs in one basket, and that revenue stream is not going to support the PEs of these companies. 
you wrote something which I really wish I had written. You said, don't confuse momentum with innovation. You know, what did you mean by that? Well, I think, you know, I'll just give you an example is that, you know, how innovative have Trulia and Zillow been um, technology-wise in our industry? Um, there are not too many tools that have turned a real estate professional's day job upside down and made it exponentially easier, more efficient, cheaper to operate, things like that. I mean, we used to operate with fax machines. They were very innovative. Then we operated with PDFs, okay? They really increased the velocity of our business. And then the smartphone has been incredibly effective, okay? The smartphone has given us the ability to manage our business from almost anywhere, almost like we're sitting in our office. I think the one significant tool that has been really revolutionized things in our industry in the last five years is DocuSign. Okay, so DocuSign has made it uh, possible to, you know, have multiple people execute multiple documents in multiple locations and consolidate it all back to one place. You know, I would say the, my guess is probably half the real estate professionals in the United States are familiar with and using DocuSign to a great extent. They're coming up with a real estate platform that hopefully will include a CRM. I think uh, Salesforce is one of their larger, largest investors. That is innovation. Okay, that's really trying to change our transactions and our business from a paper-based, we sort of have a legacy of paper-based activities in our business, to truly innovation. Okay, What we saw in the truly a Zillow merger, I don't consider it to be innovation. I consider it to be massive momentum for the number one person in the marketplace. No, I think that's really true. We had a great guest last week, and he was talking about the fact that essentially all the evolution within our industry has come in the, on the top of the funnel, effectively, trying to show agents how to generate leads or sell leads and all the rest of it. All the while, when you interview recently closed buyers and sellers, they kind of you know, there's a fair bit of complaining about the actual process because it is a, still a highly inefficient process for all different people and parties and all that. You know, DocuSign is at least a step in the right direction. The innovation that supposedly that this uh, guest last week felt was coming was the idea that, that we're going to really focus on the user experience more than the acquisition of the lead. So you essentially improve the user experience, and that ultimately is going to make somebody loyal to you for the long run. You know. That, I think that was an interesting shift. I don't really know how anyone's going to raise money around that, but still, the idea is interesting. I think. Um, well, sure. So you talk, you know, uh, go ahead. Well, I think one, I of the gonna... that, one of the user experiences that I think is really um, drives a lot of the traffic to Trulia and Zillow is that it's one of very few places that I can go to and look for homes in any community in the United States. Okay, you you can't do that at PacUnion.com. You can look for homes at any community in the San Francisco Bay Area, but not any community in the United States. So that is an example of why is it more efficient to go to a, a, a Trulia or a Zillow or something like that vis-a-vis -a, -vis a local broker's website. Once I've narrowed down that I, I absolutely want to live in a specific city in the Bay Area, there isn't a website out there that has the richness and hyper-local content that a PacUnion.com does. So, you know, at different at different moments in the buyer's life cycle, they will switch on and off of these different, um, uh, you know, internet sites to satiate their appetite for the information that they're looking at that moment in time. Well, so you're essentially that. That's a great question. I mean, this is one of the questions I was going to ask you. Uh, in your article, you talked about the substantial investments that your brokerage has made, and obviously it's worked, and technology-driven hyper-local events. Share with the listeners what you mean by that. Well. Two plus maybe three years ago, um, I think it was VHT that put out 
uh, an analysis on a white paper on the you know old buyer life um, life cycles and new buyer life cycles and how you know the engagement with a real estate professional used to be pick up the phone call the real estate professional say I'm looking for a house somewhere in you know San Francisco um, now the consumer gets online and does all their research and picks up the phone and calls a real estate professional and says I'd like to buy one two three Main Street so we took the approach of okay we're not going to change the behavior of the buyer. Okay, they've moved down downstream into their uh, our engagement. Our initial engagement has moved downstream. We can't change that behavior because of the great transparency on the internet. But we can certainly change the content which we deploy on PackUnion.com to bring them to our site sooner in the buyer life cycle. So we have you know deep information on schools, on neighborhoods, on um, you know all kinds of different things that a buyer would want when searching for property on the internet. Um, we've gone further in that capacity now and made an intense commitment to mobile um, and digital and mobile. And our industry has print as a legacy that I think constrains a lot of our innovation. And you know the digital world is here, the mobile world's here. And people consuming information in a digital environment from a mobile device are not looking for a shrink-wrapped PDF. They're looking for a really rich experience um, from a mobile device. So we have invested hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars into a digital listing presentation, whereby when you complete your CMA and you push a button, it generates a print version, it generates a website for a client, and it generates an app to our proprietary, um, a proprietary app to uh, the iPad, so that our real estate professionals have the tools and resources to engage with a seller in a print environment, in a web environment, or in a tablet environment. Um, we're now going even further and in our, uh, invested in our China initiative. We've just launched a brand new mobile site in China as well as a brand new website in China. It's PacificUnion.com.cn and doing the same here now. So, you know, in, here in the United States, we're building a brand new digital site. And, you know, these are very, very expensive initiatives. Um, but like education, the alternative may be more expensive is that if we don't keep up with the digital flow and the, dri the drive to mobile, which which represents about 35% of our traffic by the end of this year, then not investing in the future of, of digital and mobile products would be very compromising to our business. Didn't I read that you guys also are, have, you have a Mandarin-only website or you're basically building a site specifically for um, the Chinese folks that are buying in your area? We did. We had built in China, um, written in Mandarin, and hosted in China PacificUnion.com.cn. Um, it launched about both the mobile and the website launched um, you know, it's inside of the last 60 days. Um, and it was very important for our initiative. If we're going to distinguish ourselves as an authority in China for people looking to acquire residential real estate or commercial real estate in the San Francisco Bay Area, asking them to go from their mobile device in China to packunion.com in the United States is a very compromising experience. You're dragging, you're doing search and display over 8,000 miles, and uh, my first trip to China was in the, about this time last year, and one of the first things I did when I got to my hotel was got, the, got my laptop open and went and did a search on packunion.com for properties. I wouldn't have stayed there very long, right? There's got to be a better way to do it, so we decided we have to build a site that's written in Chinese by a Chinese developer and host it over there, and so that's what we did. Brilliant. Um, so we're wrapping up our uh, interview today, and I'm just sort of curious – uh, really like what you had to say. Really like your you're kind of bringing a lot of different um, ways of thinking about the evolution of our industry, and you're kind of you, you've proven that the ideas work, 
in that you've basically doubled the volume of your real estate brokerage, again, during one of the worst real estate markets in probably our lifetimes. So clearly, your innovative thinking is what our industry needs more of. I'm curious, as you look out into the landscape, all these different folks that you interact with, is there any, are there any black swans out there? Are there any things that you think that folks should, in our industry should be focusing on that we're not? Things that are going to raise eyebrows a year from now, something that you know, you've seen simmer up here and there? Because I've come across a few things I thought were very, very interesting that no one's talking about. I'm curious if you have as well. Well, you know, Tim, make no mistake, I, I wake up every morning as equally as exhilarated as I am terrified of change in our industry. And um, I think that's a, you know, it's a very healthy, um, it's a very healthy stress, if you will. Um, th- there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about the downside consequences of a, of, of a Zillow. And if they change directions on the industry, how will we as an industry react? Um, there are far larger companies in our industry that are probably dedicating more significant um, horsepower to it than we have the capacity to, and I'm hopeful that you know we'll see those people at the podium at industry conferences coming soon. Um, and I, you know, I think we as the brokerage community need to seize the podium of our industry and hang on to it for the next 20 years and begin to drive and lead, and not be in such a, a situation where we're forced to react. Can I ask one last question? Sure. So one of your agents walks into your office, and they're kind of watching all this from the sidelines. They're, you know, it's boots on the street, agent running their own business, entrepreneur, and they're asking you for advice. Mark, where should I be investing myself? What should I be doing to grow my business? What should I be doing to stay relevant for the next you know, 10 or 15 or 20 years, however long they want to stay in the industry? What, would you, what advice do you give them? Well, two parts to the answer. One is I, my management team and I, the leadership team is Pacific Union. Our clients are our agents. Okay, we're not in the real estate business. We're in the marketing business. Of uh, we market two things: we market people and we market properties. Um, so, the real estate professionals at Pacific Union trust the leadership team to think about these things as how our business is going to be impacted in the future. And we've taken them down enough dark alleys in life, uh, in life in the last five years, that they know they trust us that sooner or later the lights are going to go on right at the critical time. So they're depending on us to lead Pacific Union through you know, the, the minefields and battlefields of the industry. What we encourage our people to do is get out and see your client. Okay? Your client's on Zillow, your client's on Trulia, they're on Redfin, they're on all these different places. Go see your client. Okay? Get to know your client instead of just email and texting and things like that. We're in the relationship-based business. Okay? Our clients you know, hire us because of the knowledge that we have, the advice that we give, and the trust that they have in us. And I just don't think that a hashtag or a .com or a user interface is going to replace those three attributes. So I tell them, go out and see your clients. We'll, you know, let us worry about the trends in the industry, and we'll make sure we stay out in front of them. And if you're an agent and you're in Northern California and you're looking for that kind of leadership in your broker and your ownership, I would strongly encourage you to consider Pacific Union as your brokerage because, I mean, obviously, Mark is – very forward-thinking, I'm sure his whole management team as well. So, Mark, I really want to appreciate, I really want to thank you, and I appreciate you being my co-host for today's Real Estate Coaching Radio. And listeners, again, um, Mark, if they want to get hold of you, if one of your uh, office managers or folks that are in charge of uh, speaking with agents that want to join your brokerage, is there a website for that? Well, there's not a specific website for that, but I'd welcome an inquiry from anybody. My um, email address is mark.mclaughlin at packunion.com, and um, you can generally find me on the Pack Union website as well. 
There you go. That's fantastic. Mark, thank you very much for being my co-host today. And listeners, um, if you have any uh, feedback on today's radio show, obviously communicate directly with us. Request a free coaching call if there's anything we can be doing to help you. Free coaching calls for agents.com. In the meantime, everyone will speak with you tomorrow. And Mark, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Okay, all the best. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.